Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in to the Real Sports Podcast, episode 54. I'm joined, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Riley, as my co-host. I completely butchered that intro, but uh, I've been trying to go off memory there, Aaron, uh, so maybe I should continue to write it down, even though I've done it 54, 53 times, I guess. Um, other way, folks, uh, it's victory week for Aaron and I for the first time ever, uh, EVER ever in the history of this podcast. The Jets and Eagles have won on the same Sunday. Uh, obviously going to talk Jets-Eagles first because we have to celebrate the fact that this is the only victory week we've ever had and probably will be the only victory week we have for the rest of the season. Uh, obviously, that's not a slight to the Eagles. It's more of a slight to the Jets. Uh, but Mike White uh, seems to be our savior, uh, Aaron, for, for the I'm just kidding. Uh, but Mike White, though, uh, Zach Wilson still hurt, uh, got injured. Lawrence guy should be in jail for the Patriots injured him on a, on a sack in, in uh, new England. Uh, Mike white comes in, throws for 405 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. The jets win 34 to 31 over the, at that time, the AFC East first place residents in the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but yeah, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on Mike white? Aaron, before I get yeah. You? I mean, obviously you can't, uh, you can't overlook this this guy at this point, I would say. I mean, he comes out 405 yards really in, in his first start uh, against a, a Bengals defense, which I, I think is a little, uh, you know, underrated uh, in some aspects. I mean, they, they absolutely uh, locked down the Ravens, no problem. So um, that's hard to do. Um, yeah, I think Mike White obviously just did his thing. I mean, he they – if, when you throw the ball 45 times, I mean, you expect to score some points, but to, right. to put 34 on the Bengals and uh, obviously to come out of the win, that's that's extremely impressive. I, I was quite shocked at the Jets beating the Bengals, but uh, I think a lot of people were, especially with, with the question mark that is Mike White. But, um, yeah, yeah, I balled out, and, uh, yeah, kudos to him. I, I tip my cap to, to Mike White this week. So who is Mike White? That is the question we have to ask ourselves today. I have no idea who Mike White. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he's backup quarterback, uh, backing up Sam Darnold. Probably should have started by the looks of this game <laughs> last year, to be honest with you. Uh, but he was a fifth round pick of the Cowboys in 2019. Uh, evidently lost the quarterback training camp battle to Cooper Rush, who ended up beating the Vikings on Sunday Night Football. Uh, which is kind of ironic. Um, so he got cut, put on waivers. Jets picked him up, 
two years ago, and then last year was their full-time backup. Or uh, I'm sorry, full-time third stringer is Joe Flacco was the backup last year. Uh, so obviously has never started. Played a little bit this year in the preseason. Uh, battled out with James Morgan in the offseason to you know figure out who was going to be the backup quarterback. Won that battle handily. Uh, and just comes in and basically just gives what the defense, you know, uh, takes what the defense gives him, I should say. Uh, Aaron Aaron mentioned 45 times throwing the ball, completed 37 uh, passes for an 82% completion percentage. Um, No ball, I think, was over, you know, 15 yards, 20 yards completed, um, which obviously you just scream dink and dunk at that point. It's what I've been kind of harping on for Mac Jones this entire season. But um, the Bengals played a lot of zone. Um, A lot of the passes you saw were check downs to the running backs and they're running chunk plays for – 12 to, to 15 yards. Um, he was basically taking the ball, snapping it, getting the ball out under two and a half seconds, which is very impressive. Um, played within the game, you know, probably the definition of a, of a game manager. Didn't try to force anything. Um, I think the Jets did a great job of emptying the kitchen sink uh, in terms of trick plays. Uh, Matt LaFleur did a good job of putting him in a good spot. I mean, the script was, was phenomenal. I think he started 11 of 11. Um, for the first time ever this season, they scored a point in the, in the first quarter. Um, they scored in their opening drive, which was obviously great to see. Um, so I think more than anything, and and not to – we'll get into if this is a, a quarterback controversy or not because I don't think it is. But uh, more than anything, Zach has not been able to kind of manage the surroundings around him and look at a defense and, and take the easy yards. Uh, in the NFL – you know, obviously there's, there's room for hero ball and off scripted and off script plays and, and bombs down the field, but they only happen a couple of times a game. Uh, if you look at a lot of his tape from BYU, all of the highlights and things like that, like he's running out of the pocket, he's off script. He's taking six, seven seconds of throw while he's running around when his offensive line is trying to block. Um, so he never really, I don't think has been used to getting into a structure um, and that might be just because he was able to do that at a lower level college program. We were not playing the Alabamas, the LSUs, the Texas, the Floridas of the world. Um, so you could obviously get away with that, you know, playing Coastal Carolina, playing Houston, playing Utah. Um, but now you're obviously playing with the best of the best. So uh, those guys are faster, a lot faster than than uh, than Zach Wilson is. Um, so I think he probably tried to get away with a little bit too much the first six games and really wasn't playing within a structure. And Mike White just showed that, when operating correctly in this offense and identifying the right read and, and just getting the ball to your receiver as quick as you can, uh, you're going to have success and you're going to allow these guys to make some people miss um, when they get the ball in open space. So uh, we'll get into the, if this is kind of a, a quarterback controversy or not, but at least Zach is kind of able to, you know, while he is hurt for the next couple of weeks, able to kind of take stock of how this offense should be operated. And once he gets back with all of his natural abilities and things like that, hopefully he can take a page out of Mike White's book and, uh, you know, hopefully be successful moving forward. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Who would have thought, like, you know, just coming into this game, like, for one, it would have been an extremely close game. The Jets win, and then Mike White, like, shines the way he does. It's it's just – it's crazy, like, how week to week this – you know, Daniel and I talk about that a lot. Like, week to week, you just don't know what you're going to get. But, um, yeah, I think if Zach Wilson can learn, you know, you know – he, we talked about this off air, like, you know, Zach Wilson, if he, if he plays more so, you know, I compare him a little, not, not exactly. And this probably isn't a good comparison per se, but like, if you watch Carson Wentz and Zach Wilson, like they're both like so erratic and they're so like, 
like they can make any play, but then they, they make a boneheaded interception or like they'll force a ball when they don't need to. So it's like, if, if Zach Wilson can just tone that down, he's got all the talent in the world. Like he can make pretty much every throw in the field, right. Uh, given time and given the right circumstance, it's like, if he can just learn to, to play like Mike White did and, and be, you know, a little bit more disciplined, I would say like the sky's the limit for the kid, but uh, just the the couple of things I wanted to point out is is the Jets had three turnovers and um, the, to the Bengals one and they still found a way to win found a way to win if I can if I can speak correctly here but uh, you're so um, impressed by the Jets that you know, they're kind of making you speechless here dude it's it's I, I I pull for the Jets man just because Daniel's a fan I I'm always for the underdog so I'm like you know why not uh, so I was watching this game I watched like you know a good bit of the second half and. It was just insane. I mean, the defense was getting after Burrow. I, I thought Burrow played very well. It's just like, you know, you yeah. can do so much. Uh, but, but like, the only other thing I would say is the Jets had 36 minutes of possession to the Bengals 23. So that obviously keeping them on the sideline. Uh, Jets averaged more uh, yards per play as well. And they were they were uh, better than, than 50% on third down. So uh, a game in which the Jets just executed a little bit more than the Bengals did. And, and they're there's your uh, your victory Monday or your victory. Uh, this is coming to you on Wednesday, but victory, victory Sunday, league, baby. I, I mean, I could. Those are phenomenal points. I could talk for two hours on this game alone. I, I'll try to keep it like short. Obviously, we'll get back to the quarterback stuff. But like Mike White played phenomenally. The defense played fantastic. I mean, giving up 31 points obviously isn't great, but you know the the one the the first quarter interception, the one that Mike Flight fucking launched a slant to Jamison Crowder. It was like high and away. Hits off Jamison Crowder's hands right into uh, I think Jesse Bates um, runs it back from like the fifty all the way down to like the two yard line. The Jets defense has a goal line stand. I think first down stopped the run. Second down um, was a miss to uh, Jamar Chase. I think he dropped the pass. Third down was on a run. They go for it on fourth down, and Quinton Williams basically bulldozes his offensive the guard right in front of him, pulls down Joe Burrow by the back of his jersey and stuffs him on fourth down. So that was that was basically a microcosm of what happened all game. I mean, obviously with the Bengals, they have Jamar Chase. Joe Mixon had a phenomenal day. Uh, Joe Burrow put the guys in a good position to succeed. T. Higgins, uh, they have some weapons, um, and you're obviously you know you're you're five and one for a reason. Your offense is probably pretty good. The Bengals were five and one at that time, um, and they dropped forty one against the Ravens. So, uh, you know, scoring thirty one against the Jets might look a little like the defense didn't play that well, but Mike White kind of fucked them at least in the first half with like field position and stuff like that. Um, second half, they they really came to play. I mean. You know, the entire team came to play. The Bengals ended up scoring 17 unanswered points. Uh, the Jets were down 31 20. Um, with five minutes left in the game, they ended up scoring on a, on a pretty easy uh, a pass to, to Ty Johnson. Ends up running down the sideline in for a score. Right after that, Shaq Lawson, defensive lineman, uh, bats a burrow pass at the line, uh, dives for it, catches it, you know, picks it off the pass at like the 10 yard line. Um, and then the play immediately after that, or I think it was two plays on second down, uh, Mike White hits a wide open uh, Tyler Croft in the end zone to uh, to tie it up there. Uh, or I'm sorry, to take the lead there. And then they do the Philly special, two-point conversion, Philly special to go up 34-31. Uh, so really, I mean, up until that point, up until like seven minutes, let's say, uh, to the, you know, left in the game, I was pretty content, honestly, with the effort. I was like, okay, if we lose, you know, let's call it 31-27, uh, 31-28, I, I'd be kind of happy with this effort. Um, 
But just to get our first interception of the year on that Shaq Lawson play at the absolute right time, and obviously in a, in a phenomenal position on the field, they were within like the 10-yard line. Um, then to cap, cap that off with a touchdown, and then the building exploded on the Philly special. That was, that was absolutely phenomenal. I think Mike White has better receiving skills than, than Nick Foles could ever dream of having. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Damn. Can't beat Nick Foles. Tom um, Brady, though, for sure. Better, better. better than Tom Brady. Better than Tom Brady. Um, <laughs> Well, my point is, is not only did Mike White play well, I mean, Michael Carter, the rookie running back, uh, had 172 all-purpose yards, had a touchdown, caught like 14 passes, like he was phenomenal. Um, he's really starting to it's, – it's like crazy that we have all these rookies like contributing. We lead the league in rookie snaps. Um, on, the, on the one touchdown pass to Berrios in the first half, the offensive guard, Elijah Vera Tucker, they traded up for – he blocks the guy who's right over him, and then the center next to him goes to his right and lets a guy come free right up the middle. So he dives out of the way, shoves this guy as well, blocks two fucking guys in the same play, and then Mike White's able to get the ball off to Barrios um, for the touchdown to, to end the half. So the, the – I mean, Elijah Moore kind of had a breakout game, had his – you know, most of his receiving yards, the most receiving yards he's ever had this season in a game. Um, so the rookies are, are coming to play. The defense played well, I think. From top to from top to bottom, this is this is how you win in the NFL. You mentioned the uh, time of possession. Obviously, the turnover margin isn't great, but um, from top to bottom, I think it was just a team effort. Um, and Salah mentioned this is a, this is a young team. We have the youngest team in the NFL, and, and there are going to be weeks where we look like we should probably play like Power Five Division fucking two football. Or, but there's obviously going to be weeks where we look like look like a playoff team. And you know, the Bengals I thought played played pretty well the defense obviously kind of gave up a lot of points but their offense was humming so I don't know if you could say that they were totally sleepwalking and you know they were up like I said 30 31 20 and had a, a pretty porous uh you know last five minutes of the game there and that's the NFL um stuff can kind of change on a dime and we talked about that but um like I said I can talk about this game for two hours I'd love to talk about this game for two hours but uh yeah it's just a, a great team win and and you know they played Thursday night against the Colts. Aaron and I were talking about this off air. You know, will Zach Wilson sit, you know, when he's healthy? If, if Mike White comes out and throws for 350 yards, they get the win and absolutely smoke the Colts, maybe. But I think if they lose this game or if Mike White even struggles a little bit, I would say they're probably going to go back to Zach. They just obviously have so much time and resources invested into him, not to mention a, a second overall pick. They just legitimately hired his quarterback's coach, his personal QB coach off the street from California to be within the organization for the rest of the year. Um, so anyone talking about a true quarterback controversy, like it's kind of a week to week basis at this point. I, I do not think a young team traveling on the road, a primetime game to Indianapolis, who has a great defense is going to succeed. But um, if Mike White comes out and throws for 300 plus three touchdowns again for the win, then we might be having a different conversation on Friday, Aaron. Yeah. I might throw uh, just a little tiny, bet on the uh on the jets as oh uh, sprinkle it just uh, i mean i they're they're heavily uh they're they're the dog and they're they're, they're not even being you know respected i would say with the lot with the uh, money line uh, no i think they're uh they're what like uh colts favor like 10 and a half or something 11 maybe yeah i know i know the uh the odds are like drop 500 for the colts it's like plus 385 for the jets it's it's crazy like but uh, I mean, I sort of understand it, but disrespectful. I mean, it is. Jets, Jets are one of those teams, man. Like week to week, you don't you don't exactly know what you're gonna get. So, 
We very rarely string together back-to-back but solid performances. I, I was just thinking that. I was like, I don't know if they can do it again, especially if it wasn't a short week and if it was in New York, I'd feel yeah, – if, if they were home, I'd feel a lot better about it. Yeah, these, these Thursday games are tough, though. I mean, just depends how banged up they are after that game. Right. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of factors. But the Colts went to overtime and lost. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's a million different ways you go there. But I think I might just throw a dollar or two on the – on the jets get a couple more get a couple dollars out of it if uh if they do you know I cash it. it in but um yeah cra- crazy game nonetheless and and the only thing i'll say about about it at this point is, is i think salah has made your defense like a million times more physical than it's oh, looked God, in, yeah in in five six years so um, they might give up points but i mean god damn those guys hustle i mean they're, i mean <laughs> they, cj mosley like they missed him last week he, he is playing phenomenal, like lights out, playing well. They have like six rookie cornerbacks. They have pretty young defensive backs outside of Marcus May at safety. Their linebackers, you know, Jared Davis played his first game this season. He was on the IR for a little bit. Defensive lines playing well. Like they have a bunch of no-name guys like playing on defense that are playing phenomenally. And, and you know, they drafted all these guys, like Michael Carter the second. They drafted him in the fifth round. Brennan Eccles drafted in the sixth round. Jamie and Sherwood draft from the like last year's draft pound for pound is like if these guys can be contributors like long term or just past this year's like key depth pieces. I don't really care if they're stars or not because you're obviously going to have the first round, second round guys who are stars, but they are playing like they literally their asses are on fire every week. And I absolutely am here for every second of it. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I see. Like when I when I see them play, like they they get after it and they uh like it's not even a debate that like they, they play hard for I think they play hard for Salah. I mean, I could be wrong, maybe they're just doing it for themselves, but uh it just looks like like if you watch that team, like they, they play with heart and they and every single play they're giving you they're giving you max effort. And under Adam Gase, I don't know if there was one guy on the roster giving you max effort. So uh <laughs> yeah, maybe the punter. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, but that, that, like that's a testament to like a new culture, I think. That's a testament to Sala coming in there and like, you know, you saw him on the 49ers, like he was always yelling and shaking his clipboard like a psychopath. Like he, he's a, he's a high energy guy. And I think he, uh, he definitely gets them ready to play psychologically, at least on the defensive side of the ball, like pretty much every week, uh, excluding the Patriots week, but it's Belichick still has his number right now. And and it's, it's tough. So, but it's one of those games where you you look at it like, wow, they, they've definitely, uh, They've made strides uh, in, in a lot of areas if they can just, you know, stay consistent. That's all. Yeah, Salah looks great with a beard, too. Got a, it was Salah's first game with a beard. Offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur's first game in the booth. Um, so Keep bearded Salah and booth to LaFleur have to stay, I guess, for us to be successful. Um, that's enough about the Jets. Uh, Eagles dominating performance, just an absolute clowning uh, of the Detroit Lions, 44 to six, I think was the final score. They might've scored another touchdown. I don't know. No, yeah, uh, you got Detroit. It. Uh, I mean, from the defense, from the offense, from special teams, I think I'll let you go in a second. I, I think it was bullshit of every ESPN, every NBC, every Fox, et cetera, every CBS analyst was saying that the Eagles were going to be in a letdown spot here. I mean, everyone's trying to predict that first win for the Lions. And this was an easy week to do it because the Eagles have been somewhat inconsistent, you know, throughout this season, but, um, I think Sirianni answered the bell. Hertz answered the bell. 
Um, unfortunately, Sanders was out, but I think the Boston Scott answered the bell. Everybody top to bottom, I think, came to play. Um, and I think you just love this. Obviously, a, a good road win. Um, anytime you get a win on the road, it's always nice in the NFL, no matter who you're playing. But um, hopefully, you have to you have to feel good about this game, Aaron. Yeah, it, it was one of those games where, like, um, pretty much from start to finish, like, there was no real issue. Um, after the first quarter, I mean, it was only 7 nothing. I, I wasn't feeling, like, amazing. I mean, there's been a lot of games this year. It's been, like, we've been in 7 game, seven nothing games, 7-7 seven, seven games after one, one quarter. And then for whatever reason, it's, like, the second and third quarter, we fade so, so far away. Uh, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I think the, the real – like adjustment that was made this week was they actually ran the ball. Like they ran, they ran Boston Scott 12 times. They ran Jordan Howard, who they should have been playing all season long. He, he shouldn't have been on the practice squad even for a second. Uh, he's just a big back. Like he, he can break tackles. He's always been able to um, a guy that you're paying. Like, I, I think maybe a mil a year, like he's, you're not paying anything for him. And he's always like in this offense, he's always been effective. I don't know if they see something in practice that, they think like this guy is garbage or whatever, but uh, every time he hits the field, like he makes an impact. And really we haven't seen him in like a, he wasn't on the team last year, but he was on the team the year before. Uh, it was a trade for Chicago, from Chicago. Uh, and the guy is just, as long as he's healthy, like he contributes. So uh, he had 12 carries for 57 yards and two touchdowns. Boston Scott, 12 carries for 60 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jalen Hurts had 70 yards on the ground. I mean, he didn't really, he didn't even really throw the ball that much. It was like the complete opposite of what they've been doing all year. And you kind of see the, you see the result being, uh, you know, opposite of what it's been all year as well. So I hopefully this, uh, I mean, I saw Sirianni's speech after the game uh, with the whole dog mentality. The guy is just corny as ever. Uh, he, never, <laughs> he never gives up these, uh, these little. He's a man full of analogies. Yeah, dude, it's just, but. Uh, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't hate on him too much. Obviously, we we got to win. We we blew him out of the building. Um, yeah, defensively, it was just like we were just making plays everywhere. Um, but it, it's one of those games. I hope we build off of the the running game. I'm not saying we got to run the ball. I mean, they ran the ball probably. I can't, I can't even do the mental math right now. But um, they ran the ball a ton with a with a ton of different people. I mean, they gained well in there. He didn't really do too much, but. Um, yeah, they were, they just, if they can just stay consistent with running the ball itself and, and stick to it, even if it's not working, like just mix it in, um, you're going to take pressure off Jalen Hurts. And, and that's what you saw in this game. Uh, he kind of just game managed the most of the game and, and that's fine. I mean, they, they won the game. Dallas Goddard had a big game. Uh, you know, now he's the feature tight end with, with Zach Ertz being gone. So, um, yeah, I mean, Eagles were 50% on third down. Uh, no turnovers um, and only two penalties. So it's quite opposite of what they've done all year. Uh, so obviously it's some of it has to go to the fact that the Lions are just a, a piss poor team, but uh, obviously it's any given Sunday and, and they got it done. I just hope they uh, keep the same philosophy. I'll say going forward. That's, that's the biggest thing to me. Yeah. You, you kind of mentioned like the shift in philosophy and obviously like they'd, they'd kind of gotten away from the run a little bit early, earlier in the year. And I think, my frustration probably with like regimes, you know, with the Jets of the past year, probably frustration with Peterson and, and coaches before that was was week in and week out doing the same thing and expecting different results. Um, I think to this point, you probably could have questioned Sirianni for not relying on on the run game when the pass game 
obviously wasn't working out too well. Um, so for you, it probably has to be nice to like see that shift in mentality and, and kind of see that he is well, Sirianni I'm talking about is willing to change his stripes, so to speak a little bit, change up the play calling, um, try to figure out what the defense is doing to put his, his guys in a better position, um, you know, for that specific matchup. hundred percent. Um, love it. <laughs> Any other games, uh, other, other games we definitely have to get to, uh, Week of the backup, I, w- I would say Jameis Winston unfortunately goes down uh, in that Saints-Bucks game. He's actually out for the year, which sucks. I love watching Jameis play, um, as hysterical as it, as it might be. You never know what you're going to get with a guy like Jameis. I mean, he looked pretty good until he unfortunately went out. Um, Trevor Simeon, former Jet, former uh, Bronco of the future, way back in the day, uh, somehow is still in the NFL. Ends up doing okay, I would say. I, I wouldn't say they relied on him too much to <laughs> – to win that game. Um, but then you have Cowboys, Vikings, Cooper Rush obviously led Dallas to a, an embarrassing double or embarrassing loss, I should say, for the Vikings uh, in that Sunday night game. Um, and obviously Mike White, we talked about in, in great length. But um, why don't we get into to Saints Bucks a little bit here? Obviously, always nice when Tom Brady loses. It seems that Sean Payton has obviously had Tampa's number over the years, and, and that obviously is, is backing up this year. I think they beat him twice in the regular season last year, and then um, the Bucks obviously took them down in the playoffs when Drew Brees really didn't have much of an arm left. Um, but I, th- I think it's just quite impressive of a coaching job from Sean Payton to be on his like fourth quarterback option and, and still, uh, you know, have guys in, in, uh, who, are, who are willing to work hard. And obviously they're obviously, you know, willing to, to be successful. Yeah. I mean, if, if you would have told me through seven weeks that the Saints with, you know, say what you want about James Winston, I'm, I'm not a fully a supporter. Uh, uh, like, I don't think he's like, you know, amazing by any means. They're, they're five and two. I think that's a testament to a lot of coaching. I think that defense has substantially uh, gotten better over the last couple of years uh, compared to what it used to be under the, the breeze era. It was kind of like offense all day. And now it's kind of, you know, relied on its defense to a certain degree. Uh, obviously when you have Camara, um, you know, you can effectively give him the ball and, and make, you know, get down the field that way as well. Bringing, bringing back Mark Ingram can be effective as well. Um, you know, I, what I what I thought was pretty impressive is, um, you know, the Buccaneers didn't – I mean, they couldn't really run the ball all that much. Uh, Fournette only had 26 yards. Yeah. Uh, Giovanni Bernard had 30 yards, but, it was, you know, only on two carries. But um, the, the most surprising thing I would say is, is obviously the end of the game where, you know, you give Tampa Bay the ball back chance for Brady to go down the field once yep. again, seen it a million times uh, and he gets picked off. Like that was, that's, I'd love to see that. I could, I could watch that all day <laughs> long. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Brady definitely didn't have the best game. I mean, he had four, four touchdowns, but he had two, the two picks that, you know, were crucial. And I just, the saints are another team. They're like you said, uh, they're just well coached. So if you make mistakes against them, like they'll find a way to, be in the game or they'll find a way to win, even if they don't have as, as much talent on their side of the ball. So that's exactly what happened there. Yeah. I mean, that, that interception with, you know, I, before that, the, the mismanagement of the, of the clock, I, I think the, the saints were within like the, they were probably like the 15 or 10 yard line in, in Bucks territory. And then um, they throw, I think two passes in a row, one, one's incomplete. And then the other one, I think they went out of bounds to stop the clock twice um, instead of wasting, you know, the Bucks timeout. So Brady had like a good minute and a half, I think a timeout left to go down the field just to get a field goal. 
to tie the game. Um, and then obviously like that pick came out of nowhere. Everyone and their mother was tweeting that, Oh, you know, the, way too much time for Brady. Brady's going to go down and score a touchdown. It's going to be over in like 30 seconds. Um, and then not even probably a couple minutes after that, he ends up throwing the pick, which to me was reminiscent of when Peyton Manning uh, and the Colts were in the Super Bowl against the saints. Uh, they're driving at the end of the game. And then I forget the guy's name now, but it was like the cornerback or the safety jumps in front of the receiver, picks it off and also takes it to the house. Um, yeah. That that reminded me of that of that play, which was which was kind of funny. Obviously, the Saints were the the common thread there. Um, but yeah, I mean, to to one get the pick, but two to be able to run that back, that was very impressive. Um, and and not not a spot you typically see Brady in, but uh, I was I was very much enjoying every second of that, to say the least. Yeah, it's it just just as a matchup, like when you're when you're lining up against like all those weapons that the Buccaneers have, like it's almost like they should win every single week just because it's, it's like you can only do so much. Uh, obviously Gronk being out is a little bit of a, does hurt them a little bit, but um, yeah, credit the saints, credit the saints defense, especially. And uh, you know, hard to believe Trevor Simeon beat Tom Brady really is, is what it comes down to. <laughs> Anytime those two are mentioned in the same sense, it's usually not that, you know, Simeon's beating Brady. It's uh, probably going to be nine times out of 10 the other way around, but um, that was an, that was probably the most entertaining game. I mean, I'll, you know, probably like nationally outside of like my Jets winning, but um, you know, it, Brown Steelers obviously a, a great game. We I want to get into some some Brown stuff here. The the Steelers end up taking that one 15-10. Um, the Browns led led most of the way. From what I understand, it was somewhat of a a boring game. Just two old school defenses going at it. Um, T.J. Watt played incredibly. At, you know, the Browns obviously did well defensively too, and. Um, coming into this week, I, I, or coming into this season, rather, obviously, you know, that beatdown that the Browns put on the Steelers last year in the playoffs, uh, you're thinking that no longer are, are they little brother. Are they the team that's that's going to finish, you know, in second place or finish behind the Steelers in the division? You thought that all things considered, the, the page has certainly been turned on that book. Um, but then on the, on the other hand, you have the Steelers and, and Ben Roethlisberger, who's like 15 and two or something like lifetime against the Browns, which is absolutely insane. Um, so I think for, for the Browns, obviously this year has, has not been what they expected yet. And, and maybe a lot of the guys in that locker room thought that they could get out of bed and, and smoke the Steelers and, and not, not really have to put forth much effort. But um, Mike Tomlin proved time and time again that on the road as, as kind of a dog, he's, he's always going to you know have his team ready to go and put up a fight and, and one of the best teams and coaches to, to kind of be in that situation. Um, but I feel like this – this game probably tells me tells you more about the Browns than it does the Steelers. Cause to me, the Steelers are not going to contend for the playoffs and not contend, or maybe they do make the playoffs, but not going to really contend for an AFC championship game, I should say. Um, but the Browns, I think at the, at the beginning of the season, you said chiefs, you know, Titans, bills, Browns, we're all going to maybe chargers. We're all going to be there kind of fighting for those top, you know, three or four spots. Um, so to me, it definitely says more about the Browns than, than it does about the Steelers. Yeah, I think it, it week to week though. I still am reminded like the Steelers are not at all what they used to be. So it's like it's yeah, just definitely not. It's a uh, it's a weird time uh, for sure. For uh, I think Steelers fans are probably going through it big time because uh, it, it's just been tough. Like even the years they were in it, how many times did they lose to the to the Pats in the in the playoffs? Like right. Yeah, yeah, they have six rings and, and they've had success, but they've definitely had their their you know years of bullshit and, and heartbreak consistently so 
Um, but yeah, the Brown, you talk about years of heartbreak and, and really decades and, you know, endless, uh, endless amounts of bullshit. You talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, yeah. Another, another tough one. Uh, I mean, all, all things considered, I, I give, you know, Baker Mayfield's one of those guys. I just like, he's got my respect no matter what. I mean, the guy's out there with a busted up shoulder, probably feels like a, a bag of rocks. And uh, he, uh, he's got like some sling, you know, action going on some, some weird um, contraption, keeping his shoulder together. And he gets late hit by the Steelers. And then he comes out and like, like flip shit basically. And, and points a, a first down, you know, throws the hand for the first down. So um, the guy's given, I, I think the guy's given it is all, I, I don't really understand why the Browns are four and four. I, I I know they started out bad and, and they started out kind of bad as rookie year as well. I kind of remember that. Uh, but after last season, it was like you, you kind of ceiling high. Oh, sorry. Good. Still good here. Uh, yeah, I had uh, high expectations, but um, yeah, uh, St Steelers get the win in, in a very, very ugly matchup. So um yeah, it's it's neither of these teams are competing for the division this year, though. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think it's uh, you know the the Bengals if they can kind of keep rolling. Obviously, the Ravens they'll be they lost last week. I think they had to buy this week, but um, they're obviously gonna gonna continue to roll. Um, but yeah, you know I don't I don't know if you kind of saw this after the game, Aaron. We talked you know maybe a little bit off air about the Odell Beckham Jr. stuff, and obviously the NFL trade deadline you know came and went yesterday. Um, but apparently, he, 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 I mean, maybe not him, I guess it has to be coming from him, but his father and uh, LeBron James, his good friend, are obviously very upset with kind of his current standing on the Browns. His father went, it, went as far as to, to create a video on Instagram um, that highlighted all of the times that Odell Beckham was open down the field and, and not thrown to. And then it, the video, you know, ended up being liked by uh, several people on the Browns. And then LeBron had a tweet that, you know, said at the end of it, hashtag free OBJ. Um, so that, obviously not great for locker room, morale, chemistry, all of the above. Uh, but I mean, is, is this kind of like more on Baker or is this like Odell kind of like being stereotypical Odell? No, I, I um, from the get go, um, I, I've not been an Odell fan. I think he's a, he's another TO to me, but like a less, you know, a less uh, productive T.O. So I put this on Odell, just complaining and, uh, you know, just not getting his way again. So um, Baker, I, I think, you know, he does what he has to do to try and win games. And, and that's your job as a quarterback. So I, I, I have no uh, I have nothing against Baker. I, I think, you know, obviously I'm an outsider looking in, but uh, Odell's this isn't the first time Odell's had a situation like this already. So. Yeah, I, I can't – I mean, I can't say I've watched the Browns too close since he's been there. I, it, it is kind of – I mean, he had one catch for six yards, I think. Uh, it, it, I can't say that, you know, it, it's obviously been a little bit weird how his stat lines and how his performances has been since he's been there. Um, and it's not like Jarvis Landry is, like, lighting it up either. He's obviously doing a lot better than, than Odell is. But um, maybe it's just the two of them don't have much chemistry. Maybe it's the offensive staff not really – putting him in a good position to succeed. I, I really have no idea what it is, but um, there was a little chatter yesterday too about the Saints potentially trading for him. Um, but obviously like the, without the trade deadline, the, the only way to get rid of him, I think is to, you know, cut him. Um, so he's, he's there, whether you like it or not for the rest of the season. 
Um, so it's kind of on the two of them to put their differences beside them, uh, tell OBJ and his father to, to stop talking and, and, and kind of get through it. You know, there's really no other way to, to kind of go about it. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's just it, it's run its ship there in, in in Cleveland, and I think uh, it's time for them to part ways, no matter how they do it. Um, they just the, the Browns as an organization, you got to do it. Um, all right, any, any other games or, or storylines that, that call your eye? I mean, I I think Darren Rodgers having COVID situation, he's not going to play against the Chiefs, so we're going to see uh, Jordan Love sighting um, for the first time. I hope. I, and pray that he succeeds. So there's a quarterback controversy in, in Green Bay. I kind of love the controversy and, and love the chaos. Uh, but, uh, you know, COVID obviously is still a relevant thing. I saw the Giants had 13 positive tests. And then on the retests, that, you know, they had one positive test. So uh, very interesting. Um, obviously, the, the Packers might be in for one against the Chiefs. But if, if Kansas City loses to the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, we might have to start questioning Kansas City again. Yeah, uh, Dan- Daniel's been far from from hitting the panic button. I think uh, I'd say probably seventy five percent of of the fan of NFL fans have hit the panic button for the Chiefs, um, especially after this week. Like they barely beat the oh, a piss poor Giants team. It's like I don't know, man. I, I, every week doesn't give me any more confidence than the last week. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I, obviously the uh, Chiefs need to win that game. Uh, especially with no with no Rodgers, that's like it's a must win, like no matter what. So um, they're saying like defenses have figured out the Chiefs. I, I don't know if I want to go that far. Um, I think they're just not clicking on on much of any cylinders. Um, I think they need to run the ball more, at least mix it up, so you have some some type of variety, so you're not just dropping back in a zone coverage. And basically, they're saying they just drop one safety the whole way back and not let them, you know beat Mahomes over the top uh and that's how these teams are having success but we'll see uh like I said I think if they just run the ball and run the ball effectively like a lot of these things can change and um it's not like they're out of it either so even if they they have one down year or or you know that type of thing it's not like they're they're washed and they gotta blow up the whole team so yeah, I, I watched the game, the Monday night game uh, against the Giants the other night. I mean, they, they ran the ball extremely well. They had that guy, Derek Gore, something like that. <laughs> Mike, Michael Strahan was on the broadcast thinking it was Frank or Frank Gore's son uh, in the game, which is pretty funny. So um, they, they are able to, to kind of chuck no names in there. I, I do think they need to figure out uh, their number two wide receiver situation behind Tyreek Hill. Um Miko Hardman isn't really getting the job done, which is basically what I what I kind of gleaned from that game. They obviously have Travis Kelsey ended up fumbling in that game, so he, he wasn't at his best. But uh, you know, it, it it probably is more of like a a success hangover than anything else. I don't think teams have figured out the Chiefs as you said, um, but but I do think there's a probably should be more of an onus on on the players to kind of rally themselves and, and pick themselves up by the bootstraps and and get back to you know what normal Kansas City chief football is um, and only only they can really kind of figure that I think they're three and five or, or maybe they're four and four now I forget what the record is obviously they're not anywhere near the top of the AFC or or you know kind of the top of their division um, but they they have some work to do ahead of them and, and a, a kind of a break here. I mean, again, I, I said it before, but if they lose to the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, I think it's definitely time to hit the panic button. But 
Um, if they can get an easy W in, in kind of a low-key week and build some more momentum, then, you know, all the power to them. All right, Aaron, uh, last football topic uh, of the day, obviously a, a tough one. Um, Henry Ruggs of the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, was driving drunk the other night um, and, and got into a fatal car accident. Um, his girlfriend was, was in the car with him at the time and, and both of them sustained some injuries, but um, they'll be fine from what I've been reading. Uh, it's unfortunate that 23 year old um, female did, uh, did pass away. Obviously that's, you know, very tough news. Um, and um, obviously not something to, to take lightly whatsoever. And the, the Raiders did end up releasing rugs um, um, last night. Um, but just obviously information that, we want to communicate to, to all of you and, and keep you up to date on kind of the NFL news, but obviously very tough and not, not much to say kind of about this situation as a whole. Um, just, just obviously a stupid act um, from rugs and um, anytime you're, you're driving under the influence or, or intoxicated, it's obviously one of the dumbest decisions you can, you can make not to mention, you know, uh, in Las Vegas in a populated area where obviously people are going to be, out and about, especially in the evening, evening time. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, hopefully he sees, he sees some jail time and there's some retribution for this, but at the end of the day, you can't get back the life that, it, that has already been lost. And, uh, just, a, just a crappy situation, no matter how you spin it. Yeah. Well, I mean, what a, what a rookie campaign it, it, it turned out to be for him. I mean, that's, it's about as bad as it gets. Um, uh, you take a human life. That's, that's, catastrophic like the, that's that's just terrible um and then to read that it happened at like 3 40 in the morning um it's just I look at it like I, I was talking to a friend about that situation and it's like you have I mean I, I guarantee he's make I don't know what the league minimum is but he, he's he has enough money where he can get an uber and it's not even like putting a small dent into his income right um, so uh just a horrible, horrible decision-making uh, or a horrible decision that was made, I should say. Um, and yeah, it's just, uh, that's, that's it. Uh, when I read about that, it, it's extremely sad just because whenever there's an innocent life taken, it's just, that's horrible. Um, and then to, to know it's like a 23 year old, like they had their whole life ahead of them right. uh, for a guy that was just, you know, obviously intoxicated and behind the wheel and, and probably driving, recklessly i know he was in a corvette so uh yep. probably wasn't going to the speed limit uh probably wasn't paying attention uh and obviously his judgment was impaired so with all those things considered i, I mean i hope i hope there's some justice through this um obviously her family is, is never going to get her back regardless so um i don't really care to hear that he's an nfl player or that he's a high profile guy uh, at the end of the day, he's a human being just like the rest of us, and uh, he killed somebody. So um, I hope he uh, he gets what is deserved for that for that uh, offense, obviously. Yeah, and then just to, to put a bow on this, he, he was accused of driving 156 miles an hour, uh, like right before the crash. And then um, he was at 127 when the airbags deployed, which is nuts. <laughs> Uh, and his blood alcohol level was 0.161, which is more than twice the legal limit. Uh, and then a loaded gun um, was also found in the car. Uh, just, yeah, it's a, it's an awful situation, no matter how you spin it. And 
and yeah, hopefully justice and, and something comes to light. And, and obviously he should, he should be barred from, you know, ever playing it down in the NFL uh, ever, ever again. Um, but you definitely feel for the family of, of the victim. Um, like you said, they, they can't ever get her back. Um, so it's just a, a terrible situation um, all the way around and, and no matter how you spin it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, obviously good. the Raiders had it, had to do what they had to do and, and released him and, and he's off the team and, and out of the league and, and he'll face what, what he has to face. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, obviously them cutting him was, uh, was needed. And uh, yeah, hopefully they, like I said, they move forward and, and it's just it, to me, like when somebody innocent is, killed like that it's just it's awful and it could have been avoidable like, i'm not i'm not saying like no one should drink alcohol or, or go to that extreme but um there's ways to to be responsible and still have a good time and and he chose to do none of that so yeah 100 um no way to transition uh functionally after uh after that um uh, but we're gonna go to go to some baseball talk uh aaron obviously the the Braves taking home the dub in the World Series in, in six games uh, last night uh, down in the Astros seven to one, which was phenomenal. Um, they did it in Houston too, which was which was nice. I think after losing Game Five at home in Atlanta at Truist Park, I thought that maybe Game Six would kind of go to to the Braves and then or uh, to to the Astros, and then obviously you don't know what's going to happen in Game Seven. Um, but they came out, you know, kind of firing all cylinders. The, the first inning was a little crazy. They had to kind of get out of a jam with a couple a couple guys on base. Um, the pitcher of the Astros, I don't know if you saw this guy's ankle stepped on by uh, Correa, I believe it was. That uh, could be wrong on the on the player, but um, he's trying to go to first and got his ankle stepped on. But uh, I don't know how his ankle was like fine. Um, someone tweeted his ankle was made out of metal, which is pretty funny. Uh, but he ends up getting out of that jam, and then in the bottom, or I'm sorry, the top of the. F- Top of the second, um, they ended up getting a couple of runs, and then um, it was kind of you know lights out from there with with them kind of cruising to a seven to one win. Um, first of all, you know screw the Astros. I think that's kind of a widely held opinion by a lot of people. They are, are they continue to be an unlikable team, and um, I'm in the mindset of, of you know cheaters should obviously never be rewarded for their actions and, and never win. They still um, definitely have a good team you know, without, without cheating. So it kind of begs the question of why you can cheat in the first place, but um, with them losing and only having, you know, one world series win and three tries is, is obviously great um, for the, for the fans like me who don't like the Astros, but, but two also great for the Braves. I think, uh, you know, mid season, they obviously had a, had somewhat of a turnaround uh, kind of mid season ended up only, you know, winning 88 games. Um, if you kind of look at the rest of the standings, if they were in other divisions, they obviously wouldn't have made the playoffs. If, they were in the AL East. They would have finished fifth, uh, which is crazy to, to think about. But um, they ended up kind of clicking at the right time. Um, good for guys like Freddie Freeman, Albies, Solaire, who was the MVP. Um, Acuna Jr., who obviously got hurt um, during the season. It was tough to, to not see him kind of be a part of this postseason run. But um, baseball is the ultimate get hot at the right time of sport. Um, and I think the Braves got hot at the exact right time and um, ended up carrying momentum, you know, into, into the postseason. Yeah, um, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's uh, it's it's unbelievable that like, you know, they went into the playoffs. They beat um, the Brewers. They beat the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers series, even even with the injuries to uh, to the Dodgers, like 
you know, on paper, I, I just didn't think there was any chance the Braves would uh would find a way to win that. And then they get to the World Series. And once again, I was like, all right, it's probably going to run out at this point. Uh, I, I did take them to, t- to win two games, but um, to, for the for them to, to flip the script and uh, and beat the Astros is is quite is quite crazy. And uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I was watching last night. Uh, Freddie Freeman just seems like a, a class act like it's he's one of those guys. He's hard to hate. I think even if you're not a Braves fan or, or a, you know, a National League fan or, or whatever, uh, whatever team you go for. But uh, I was rooting for him personally. I was rooting for the for the Braves because of the, the underdog uh the underdog mentality really i mean they, they no one expected them to be there no one it kind of reminds me of the nationals a few years back uh when they found a way to pull that that off so yep. um maybe the it's weird maybe the nl east is like uh every couple of years though they find a way maybe the Phillies are next baby yeah may, maybe that uh but <laughs> um, cool cool to see not, nevertheless I, I didn't expect the seven nothing um you know result for sure. I would, I would never have thought that, but, uh, Max fried or freed, however, with a tomato, tomato. Um, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he pitched an absolute gem and, uh, the Astros couldn't really do much of anything. And, and Solera is, is a stud, uh, Freeman that they, they did this all without Acuna. So, uh, kind of crazy to think, but, um, yeah, credit to the Braves and, uh, pretty cool seeing the, a team that hasn't won and, and since 95, take the whole the whole thing yeah um yeah so october baseball is always the best um and that home run from Soler over the train tracks was mind-boggling um everyone was using the uh solar power uh i guess you could say pun on social media which was insufferable to to read (laughs) but yeah I, i think it's uh it's it's good to see a team like daddy works hard and has good guys on the team um, ultimately win a championship and yeah the, you mentioned the nationals that was like the first team i thought of like kind of coming out of nowhere um taking out a powerhouse um it's always nice to see the underdog you know kind of take the dub and nl beast baby nl beast maybe someone you know maybe the phillies maybe the mets maybe the marlins next year who knows maybe someone else will take it down and hold down the fort for him yeah no it's a, it was a cool postseason i think uh it was far more entertaining than than you know, coming in, I thought it would probably be Astros and uh, – or, I'm sorry, I, I thought maybe the Giants would make a run for whatever reason. I I was way off on that one. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, Astros and, like, Dodgers – or, I'm sorry, the – yeah, like, at maybe the Astros, maybe the Dodgers, maybe the Giants. Like, the, those, those top those top heavy teams, those, those teams that had, like, damn near 100 wins or, or more. And, and you, yeah. come, you see the Braves come out and, uh, you know, get it done and execute. And, and it's just – it's cool to see. It, it's – I, I like uh, I like that they had really no chance in, in everybody's opinion, and and they they found a way to do it. So, I love it. Um, all right, Aaron, why don't we uh, take us home with some college football? Where do we? Uh, obviously, rankings came out last night. Uh, where where do we stand? What are we thinking? Um, big big game from Michigan, Michigan State last week, which was great. We can get into that a little bit. Um, what are you looking forward to? Kind of the rest of the way here. Yeah. Uh, as a as a fan of uh of Penn State, it's uh not much to look forward to. Um, heartbreaking season to say the least. One one of the harder seasons I've had to deal with, I would say, just a, an emotional roller coaster. But um, yeah, um, P- 
Penn State not even in the uh, the top twenty five uh, at this point. Ryan Pitt, no less. Uh, it's it's brutal, man. It's it. I thought real quick uh, the, the Penn State Ohio State game was was such a good game. Uh, we had every chance in the world to to win that game. Um, just didn't do it. Just didn't pull it off. Um, but I'll say this in comparison to Ohio state Penn state games in the past, it was, uh, far more entertaining. Uh, it just really just, I was extremely irritated at the result, obviously, but, um, yeah, Georgia, Alabama, there at the top, uh, Michigan state, the whole way to three. I I can't even remember the last time they were the third ranked (laughs) team in the nation. Um, I mean, credit to them. They beat, they beat a good Michigan team at home. But um, I think they are kind of flawed in some respects. I don't think they can compete with, like, the Georgia and Alabama of the world. But um, it's kind of crazy. Um, Cincinnati is still undefeated, but now they dropped to, to six. Uh, I don't know. It's I kind of understand it. They haven't played anybody, like, you know, big time, big time. But um, Oregon, to me, is not – is beatable for sure. I think I think Cincinnati is too, but – um, this top 10 is, has flip-flopped so much, and now you got Wake Forest at nine. Like, it's just absolute <laughs> insanity. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the, to, the, to the rest of the season no matter what. And, uh, you know, I, I just – I love college football. I, it's like my number one over everything. So, it, it's just so exciting to me week to week, and it, it's just uh, – it's crazy to watch. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I don't I, – if I were to guess, I think Georgia and Alabama probably stay at one and two or, or yep. maybe flip-flop you know, two and one, uh, the rest of the year, uh, barring a crazy upset, but both those teams are, are, you know, executing on all cylinders really. Yeah. I think, I think it, it, with them being one and two, I I was a little surprised that Alabama was two, um, with obviously them having the loss there. Uh, I I think it'll, it's going to come down to the SEC championship game. Uh, let's, let's say Georgia beats Alabama and, and they have two losses. Like they're obviously still in the top four, right? I would I would say yeah, just the the strength of schedule, like the, you know who they've played and and who they've beat. Um, the one loss was just kind of like a a crazy upset. So it was like one really give them one hiccup all year, and then if they lose to a Georgia team who's, you know, absolutely dominated everybody, it's like they're still a, Alabama. It's still probably shit on the rest of the top ten. Yeah, and then conversely, if Alabama beats Georgia, you know they both have one loss. I would say they're probably still one and two they just we obviously flip and have alabama beat uh or alabama would be one georgia would be two the the interesting thing that would happen is if georgia does have a loss at some point before that i would i would assume they're still going to be in the top four as obviously a team with one loss then it would be two one loss teams going against each other in that sec championship game and then you know obviously the loser would have two losses then so it, it could put the committee in a, in a spot but I, Either way, I think that the two spots, two, two out of the four are going to be locked up with Georgia and Alabama. Um, it's just a matter of like Michigan State. Yeah, I think they still need to play Ohio State. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, so yeah. if Ohio State beats them, they'd obviously jump them. Oregon there, if, you know, seeing the Pac-12 there is kind of funny. Um, but, yeah, C- Cincinnati being undefeated, if, if some of these teams falter and they can, you know, somehow make their way in there, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, they're at four, and then Ohio State gets to three. If they beat Michigan State, um, then maybe you're, you're talking about Cincinnati being in there. But um, I think they're probably going to get more of the disrespect in an obvious, since they're not power five. Um, but, yeah, it's and they have somewhat of an easy schedule still to go. So 
unless they have a major screw up, I wouldn't be surprised if they're undefeated. Um, but yeah, it, the, the game that I think is really going to change a lot of this is obviously the SEC championship game, as I said, but then also, um, you know, Michigan State playing Ohio State, unless they've already played and then I'm an absolute idiot, but uh, should be fun nonetheless. No, you, you got it. They, have, they haven't played yet. And uh, Michigan and Penn State play in a couple of weeks. That'll be interesting to see that that'll be a pretty sure that's a whiteout game. Uh, it's to be announced, but I think they're going to do a whiteout regardless. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy, crazy season for, for college. I think even more so than than a couple of years past. So I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, it's just hard when your team's like right on the outside and and. They had so many chances to, to be in the mix, at least with the Big Ten. So, yeah, no, 100 percent. It's uh, anytime the rankings come out, it's like, all right, college football is, is real now. It's here. It's late fall. Uh, it's starting to get colder. It's always nice, especially those Big Ten matchups in the cold. So I'll, I'll definitely be tuning into that game. Um, you know, breaking out the week a little bit, the Jets. Have the Colts on Thursday night football. Hopefully, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, schedules depending to kind of break down that game. Uh, hopefully, we're talking about Mike White being the savior. If not, we're just ready for Zach Wilson to get back as quickly as possible. Uh, I believe you guys have the Raiders this week. No, you already had the Raiders. Who do you, who do you have this week? Uh, the Chargers. The Chargers. Yeah, the Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we, uh, Chargers have looked flawed the last couple of weeks, though. So, um, the go. goal, the goal is to run the ball right down their throat because they can't, they can't stop a nosebleed with the running game. But uh, knowing Nick Sirianni, he might just come out and throw the ball fifty-five times again and full <laughs> ways. So yeah, the the Pats uh, ran all over the Chargers this past week. So hopefully you guys get a get a dub in there. Um, we're still paying close attention. Obviously, baseball is over with, but we're paying close attention to hockey, playing close attention to basketball. So. In addition to some NFL, some college football, um, maybe we'll get, you know, we'll sprinkle those two in. Obviously, um, we'll get some other breakdowns and, and headlines throughout the week. But Aaron, as always, why don't you take us home? Yeah, uh, appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. We try to bring you as much content. We try and, you know, slate it into an hour. So it's always tough, but, uh, you know, just check us out on Twitter and uh, we'll just keep coming at you with, with the content and, and with the NFL. Uh, as it progresses here in college football as well. Thank you so much.